Welcome to PTBC Podcast, where we will be speaking about innovation, technology, growing your business, and maximizing your entrepreneurial potential. Let's get down to business. All right. So what's, um, what's been the week like here? Give me some updates here, Slava. What was your last week like? Well, we're sending out the uh, email to our uh, patient list that we're going to be opening on an emergency basis, right? Just seeing emergency people as much as possible uh, because we still haven't been able to send out an email that we're opening in person fully, but just the emergency mm-hmm. ones. Try to capture those people that really need the physio. Is it not? Is it still June 1st now in Ontario? Because they moved it a couple times, right? Yeah, yeah. It's still not possible to open up these days. So Not with uh, what's happening in uh, Trinity Delta. Trinity, I was going to say, <laughs> it might be July. <laughs> After that, it'll hiccup. <laughs> Hopefully not. I'm just kidding. But like, yeah, no, it's definitely definitely crazy because they did move it a couple times. Um, I'm wondering, do you guys know if Quebec opened up yet? I think they, uh, they're going to open up end of the month, eh? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see what's going What's your, what's your predictions here? Well, hoping for early June as much as possible, hoping like tomorrow, but <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> early June would be probably the, the likeliest date. All that construction is taking its toll, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, <laughs> gotta make the ends meet. <laughs> Don't go. What do you- what do you, what's the, what's the, what are the thoughts right now from the student side? Um, what's the, what's the conversation? I know, I know there's been some convos about the, the placements right now, right? Anyone like getting still a little bit more stressed or they, is the school kind of giving any options or any messages for the schools? Um, the schools are still really just trying to figure out what the options are, like who's willing to take students and will clinics in Ontario be open? all that kind of stuff. So it's still like very much up in the air for students. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So it hasn't been, there hasn't been any firm, like they haven't reached out to any clinics to do like a hybrid model or anything like that. Um, they are reaching out. I think it's just the clinics can't really say for sure if they're going to be open okay. or how much they're going to be open, all that kind of stuff. Cause Ontario is mm-hmm. still very much, it doesn't have a solid date for when they're opening. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting because um, I was actually chatting with some of our physios as well, and I think there's been some word around like the exam happening in November, the national exam, which is interesting because I'm wondering like you know if there's a second wave, like what's going to happen, and and um, I'm curious because right now they've kind of opened up and Al- like now in Alberta, and, and it's been going pretty smooth so far, um, mm-hmm. so I'm just curious to see if they'll like make exceptions and and let those provinces that opened up let them do the exam or is that going to get too messy like i don't know it's it's going to be interesting what do you guys think from your um, from the side here i actually just we just had a talk with caper last week okay um in regards to all that because again they haven't really given us a date even the written date they said is very much tentative so they're not really sure if even those are going to go through right now oh, okay the main thing with the November is because it's from the people who were originally supposed to write it in June, it's a much smaller cohort. Right. right. Um, so that's why they think that November should be fine. Their plan right now is to have it um, so that a student's at every other station so mm. that they can thoroughly clean and everything after each student has gone through before the next student comes through. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Whereas 
those of us who were supposed to do the practical in November are now looking at around March. Um, oh, okay. So, because it's such a bigger cohort. Yeah. I wonder if they're going to make, if they do it in November and it's still kind of iffy with the cases, like I wonder if they're going to make everybody wear masks to do it because like I was thinking about that. I'm like, yeah, that would be definitely safer to, and you know, and are they going to make people wear N95s because they're going to be doing it in a hospital or are they going to do it just like a regular, not that everybody has to wear N95s in the hospital, but um because I was thinking like one of the things that, you know, helped me through the exam was me smiling. And I think when I walk in a room, me like big smile, even though on the inside I'm dying, like on the outside, it looks like I'm keeping it together. (laughs) Um, It it still gives off a good vibe, you know, for the pretend patient and and the instructor, uh, I'm sorry, the examiner. Um, Mm -hmm. It was, you know, it's kind of hard when someone smiles at you, even though they say not, like, I think some of them try not to smile. So they don't give anything. They still smile back. Right. It's just, it's like human nature. Like when you smile at somebody, it's like, there's a psychology principle that they, want to also smile right um so that helped me through the exam keeping a light in my in my mind and, and just kind of going through so without the mask i don't know if i'll just draw a smiley on my mask and just walk in <laughs> with a big smiley face on it yeah <laughs> the whole face visor on <laughs> <laughs> oh man I, I could not imagine doing a full exam with the face shield and face mask like shout out to those frontline workers that they just keep on that ppe for just such a long period it yeah. is toasty in those things i can tell you for sure yeah <laughs> it's they're also um, looking at doing like they might do a virtual version of it some kind of like stations online really um, that would be interesting uh, they yeah, gotta make which, it. They gotta make it realistic. Make the internet slow. Sometimes it crashes. Gotta call them back. Like <laughs> that would happen anyway. <laughs> You're also on hold with WSIB. <laughs> oh, that that's a little too realistic. <laughs> if the internet crashed during the exam, I would be absolutely losing it. <laughs> yeah, like, oh my yeah. god! Uh, what if hey? What if that was a station? How do you deal with that situation? Huh? See, that's yeah. a good How do you deal with, how do you, what do you do? Do you continue this session? Do you stop it? Do you reschedule it? What do you do? Yeah. <laughs> right? Go to the patient's house. With your PPE there. Oh my God. Yeah, ready at the door. <laughs> yeah. Cool. With that being said, Suresh, how, how are you finding with all this uh, PPE there? Because one of the things that uh, was on a, on one of Rick's talks was just, just like kind of uh, embracing that, you know, it's going to be a little bit different and, you know, just kind of more of the, the mental aspect and having that gear on the whole day, you know, just being, you know, maybe sweating, you know, not being too comfortable. How do you find that so far? Yeah, honestly, I'm pretty open with my patients. And remember <laughs> when I have the mask on and I start sweating, I'm like, honestly, it's just, it feels like a thousand degrees in here. So I'm sorry if I start sweating a little bit. And, <laughs> but, you know, I know we're doing it for, for like a prop, like a proper reason, right? Like we don't want to create any more spread or anything. I feel safer having that actually. Um, you know, if it was up to me, like, I mean, it is up to me, not that it's not, but I mean, if I could, I'd wear like the full like gear just to be like super safe. Right. Mm-hmm. But, um, but at the same time, like you also don't want to give off like a scary, like you're walking into this, like, you know, this like lab right because everyone, imagine everyone's wearing hazmat suits and like you know the respirator thing going to the oxygen tank in the back come on in let me do some soft tissue work on your shoulder <laughs> you'd be like oh, i'm good my shoulder is perfect <laughs> right? what i want to go in so it's definitely it's definitely um you know we do kind of try to schedule some breaks in between so we can just take a quick breather from the from the mask um and just um you know get some water because you know i found actually trying to uh, and it's hard because you have to wash your hands you have to take the mask off this is a procedure right but um 
it's it's still okay. I mean, I'd rather do it than not because uh, I'd rather just be safer. Now, yeah, sure. one, of, one of the biggest concerns that we've we've had or we chatted about before is you know still maintaining that client experience, right? For yeah. any client that walks through the door, right? So you know, uh, with you, have you experienced any changes in the experience itself? Um, anything that you've done to improve that experience, right? Because like you said, if, you, if the client is coming in, they're walking into like a lab, right? Then that's, that's a totally different feel from what we want to give them, right? Yeah. No, I mean, like I, I, I try to keep it light at all times. Um, and I just like joke around with them and I'm like, and I just like, um, I don't know, I just make some random jokes walking around, uh, like um, if there's any signs or anything. And like, it did like do a little, <clears throat> and I'm like, whoa, 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 what was that? Like, you know, joke around, <laughs> like we all again if there was an actual like coffee spree they wouldn't train them but um but you know even like a little like you hear something you just joke around with them a little bit but i do that again because i want to keep it light right it's just like i think it's going to be scary if i'm like super like okay stay away from me i'm going to be back here at all times you're gonna our job is very hard to be at six feet at all times obviously when i'm doing like subjective stuff i try not to be too close but um it's, it's just hard to avoid like being like six feet, uh, uh, being close to them. Right. Um, so, yeah. but the one thing is just, again, greeting them, all the stuff that we we're doing before, but obviously with masks on and, and, you know, maybe you wave and instead just to kind of show like you're welcoming them. Um, so it's like little <laughs> stuff here. Uh, cause I'm not shaking hands anymore. Cause my go-to is like, Hey, how's it going? A little handshake, a little pat on the shoulder, you know, now I can't do any of that. It was so weird to transition out of that because that's, that's how I am. Right. I'm just like, I like to shake their hand, you know, nice smile, um, bring them in. And, but, um, but yeah, it's definitely, we're trying to find things like making put fun, like graphics on the walls or something like that to make it more, more fun, replace the arrows with something a little bit more fun. Um, uh, but it is, it is a new normal and everyone does understand um, that this is because like, I, I asked them, like, they're like, yeah, we have to do the screen like everywhere else as well. So some of them are already kind of pre-framed to doing something like that um, every time they come in. Uh, so, you know, it is, it's, again, it's part of the procedures. We just got to do it to make sure everybody's safe, but um and you know i think it's going to get better and better but people understand that's the biggest important thing and um yeah just trying to keep it light and and you know just still doing everything you did before but you know now you have a mask on you know walking with them paying attention to them listening all that stuff still affects that patient experience right so totally, totally. For sure. now, yeah. now slava with, so, with your clinic um i know you guys haven't opened yet but is there anything or any strategies that you guys are are planning to to help to maintain the client experience? Um, our biggest issue is around spacing as much as possible. So we had to measure out, um, because it's not a lot of open space, so it's a lot of private rooms. So what we did was we measured out how people should be walking in order to protect the front desk and in order to protect the patients themselves. So we only allow one person at a time and we make sure that we space everybody out so it's no longer a back-to-back -back kind of situation there's going to be 15 minutes allowed in between just to clean uh, make sure we wipe everything down and um, uh, allow only a single person in the room at all times mm -hmm. the thing is it always ranges with people in terms of their comfort level right because we're all broken up into a spectrum of fear of the coronavirus at this point there are some people who don't care as much about it, right? And uh, think that it's all, they're, they're not likely gonna get, um, not gonna likely catch the virus. There are other people who are extremely afraid, right? So even when we do start to transition back into the new normal, there will still be people who are a little bit more apprehensive into coming to the clinic, right? 
and there are others who will be a little bit um, easier going that way. So we just have to accommodate that in regards to the patient experience as well. But in our case specifically, we just have to allow one person in the clinic at all times from the patient side of things. Mm-hmm. How about you, Justin? How, what's your clinic doing in terms of reintegration back? Yeah, similar to you, um, the whole spacing thing is, is, is going to be a huge aspect because my clinic is, is actually a house, so it's quite small, right? So it's a little different. Um, and we do have all private rooms. So the big thing for us is about staggering the, the therapist so that there's only a set amount of therapists and people in the clinic the whole t- at the whole time. Um, and for us, we do have a, like a little waiting area in the front that that is now going to be not there, right? Because we don't want, you know, multiple people in the waiting room waiting, kind of just, you know, being there, right? So we're just trying to uh, create strategies to, to, to maintain that experience, right? And, and kind of have that whole flow from when a client enters the clinic to when they get treatment and to, to when they exit the clinic, right? What does that look like? But I think the big thing for us is, and this goes back to the, uh, the webinars I learned from my detox and with Rick Lau is that we want to create an environment which is, uh, which kind of builds trust first and, you know, focus on safety. I think those are the, the two big things. And one of the things that was recommended, I think, by one of the clinic owners on Rick Lau's uh, webinar was um, just creating a video for what it's like for as soon as a client enters the clinic to what they're doing in the treatment session, to what it looks in terms of safety-wise from a PPE perspective, so that they're not left wondering, oh, what like is is, is am I going to be wearing masks? What's going to be going on, right? Because there's a lot of uncertainty, especially once clinics open, right? And so if we can kind of uh, tackle those barriers to getting people into the clinic in the first place, then that's going to make them feel a lot more comfortable, and that's going to make them feel a lot more safe and trust kind of the whole process. So. It's funny, I, I actually bought a GoPro recently for, you know, uh, a channel that I'm starting, but I'm going to be literally going into the clinic with my GoPro on, and then one of the ther- one of our therapists, practitioners there, is going to kind of greet me the whole, I'm going to be a pretend client, and so then we're going to make a video so um, that we're going to post, it's going to be sent through all the email, welcome emails, it's going to be put, post on Instagram, so everyone has an understanding of what it's like, and they feel a little more safe with the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, smart. Yeah, yeah, and then, uh, I forgot to mention yeah, the, the fun graphics and stuff definitely does help, right? Like, because everyone like now has to do certain things, and if you kind of force mandatory things without making a little making it like a little bit fun, um, it's gonna feel very like quarantine right? It's the safety can still be there, but without making it seem too like intense. So, um, so we're just, again, that's, that's like the part of keeping it light too. But like, I love that idea though, the GoPro, um, that's exactly like, I was, I'm actually working on a TikTok video right now. <laughs> <laughs> the clinic, like, you know, it's like, nope. Yep. Like, nope. <laughs> so stay tuned on that one. That's going to be in the works, but, um, but yeah, no, definitely it's going to be the one thing I realized. Actually, the one thing I realized is, um, when the one like the light bulb was so i was looking into possibly taking a flight now and i was like okay let me look on this like this airline's website and as soon as i looked it up like one of the things they had on their website was like this the covid inform and what they're doing to keep people safe and it made me feel a hell of a lot better about taking that flight because i saw exactly what they did and i'm hoping that they live up to that because it's one thing to say it and one thing to do it 
but um, that made me feel a lot better. And, I, and then, I, then I thought, okay, well, this is obviously something that we have to do as well. So we have like this landing page now ready to go um, on essentially what's going to, ha- what they can expect when they come into the clinic as well. So that when somebody's going on our website to look like the book or something, they're going to be questioning, they're probably going to visit the website to see, oh, is there an update? Awesome. So that like it's that is very big also part of that patient experience for them to get that feeling of comfort that hey if i'm going there this is what they're doing to keep me safe um and then same thing we did with our staff that we sent out a memo on all the things that we're going to put in place before this is well before we actually went into the clinic as well on some of the things that we put into place already for patients and for staff to keep them safe as well so that sense of security is really important like you said right? Have understanding that, okay, these are things that's going to be happening. And this, this is for my safety. It makes, it makes me feel better, right? Like when I go into like a grocery store or something like that, they have um, the signs and stuff. Like it actually made me feel better about that because I'm like, okay, they're kind of putting in some boundaries for people to follow. Cause you know how grocery stores are. It's, it's wild. Like as soon as you pass the, the doors, it's like COVID doesn't exist. <laughs> it's like shoulder to shoulder and nobody cares but then when there's some signs you're like okay you know that's not bad right um so that for me it gave me a sense of security and i was like that like gave me a light bulb like wow like you know all these online stuff everything online emails like like the landing pages or um like social media all these little things like these are all the things that the patients are going to be looking at everything external, right? All the internal stuff that we talk about in the background in our meetings, they're not going to hear that. So we have to find a way to communicate what we're doing to them, but in a, in a fun way, but also so that they understand what we're doing to try to help protect them as well. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, what, how about, Varka, like when you're kind of um, thinking about this, what would you kind of expect a clinic to be doing at this point? Like if you were to walk in, what would you want to see? Um, one of the things that I was kind of thinking about, um, was I didn't know if clinics were going to start kind of lengthening their hours. So then you could have fewer physios working at one time, but everyone, but you could still see more patients, um, just like to stagger the physios or kind of like Justin was saying, like, if you staggered the start times of assessments or treatments, um, so people were coming in at different times or like. I kind of expected like people would be waiting in their cars and then like they would call you when they're there kind of thing. And you could just text them to come in something like that. Definitely PPE. I feel like the, I feel like asking patients to do it kind of depends on patient preference. I feel like it's hard to be like, you have to wear a mask. Like we're expected to as physios, but I think maybe just like educating them. Like if you feel comfortable with it, like Mm -hmm. definitely do that for you but it's kind of difficult yeah you know that's actually an interesting kind of topic because i know there's some clinics that are making it mandatory for patients um there are some clinics that are making it like like optional for patients then then there's the debate of okay well with all these like you have to buy all this ppe supply and there's a like already a bit of a shortage like Mm -hmm. it's such a tough balance with that PPE supply right so like do we ask patients to bring their own do we provide them with one or do we ask them to bring it and then do we provide them if they don't have one do we charge them do we not charge them do we like what are the rules there's so many ifs like buts and there's no the only like you said the only real guideline here Robert is to staff wear masks mm-hmm. and same and what I've seen at least so far for Ontario as well it seems like that's the like the major guideline that's there um 
you know, obviously if people wear masks as well, like it's going to be better. And I think there's some studies trying to look at like the countries and other areas that wear masks more like in a general way, like culturally wear masks more often versus those countries and looking at the spread of the infection as well. Um, so it's definitely interesting. Like, I don't know. What do you actually, you know, what, let me ask you guys, do you guys know what your clinics are going to be doing? Um, Slava and Justin, like with the mask situation? Yeah, ours is, uh, we set our guidelines pretty clear. So our owner secured the PPE supply uh, and uh, we're going to give it to, uh, so the staff is required to wear masks, obviously, as you guys mentioned. And uh, we're going to, if the patients don't come with their own uh, personal protection supply, we're going to give them to it at cost. So we're not going to be making any profit off of it but we're going to be requiring them, them to be wearing a mask, but they're going to have to purchase it at cost that we purchased it. Mm-hmm. So not making money off of that, but uh, just for mutual protection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Similar thing with us, Slava, like the, the like purchasing PPE right now, it, it, is, it is a little bit costly, right? And we're going to be going through like hundreds of, of masks of, of gloves throughout the day, right? So I think that that's smart for you guys to, you know, you're, you're not making any profit on it, right? Um, but right. you know, just to ensure a safe environment for for uh, both the client and the therapist. So for us, we're doing something similar. Um, so uh, each uh, practitioner, uh, in in our in our case, um, is responsible for um, getting our own PPP gear, right? And then the clinic will have PPE gear uh, available for clients um, who don't bring their uh, own in, but um, in the emails and all the messages that we send them before, like we have a kind of guideline as to, okay, we want you to have this, you know, just to make sure that the environment is safe for not just yourself, but for other people. Right. And then obviously there might be a couple of people that forget or they don't have it. So um, we're going to be, be able, we're going to be providing it for those. Um, right now it's uh, going to be like free of charge, right. Cause we don't anticipate it's going to be too, too many people, but you know, there's always going to be someone here and there. Um, and then also taking it one step further, it's like, okay, what is a protocol from someone coming into the clinic? Let's say they have gloves on, right? Are we going to have them take their gloves off, you know, sanitize and then put new gloves on? Like, what's the protocol for that? Because some people come in and you don't know where they are at, right? Yeah, they might have gloves, but it's, they might be touching, like they went to the grocery store, they went to dog park, they went to training bellways, you don't, you don't know, right? So we're kind of figuring out what the kind of the patient flow is for that. And it's like, okay, if we take them to, let's say, do you go through the sanitization protocol of washing their hands, right? What are the kind of, what are the next steps after that? So that's kind of what we're doing. Right. Yeah, for sure. You see so many people like wearing gloves all day, which like completely defeats the purpose of wearing (laughs) gloves at all. Um, So it's kind of hard if someone comes in and like full PPE, it's like, okay, are they actually doing anything or... Totally. Are they taking the mask off 10 times today totally, to totally, blow totally. their nose? Like, yeah, I, I see some people on uh, on the street. They have these, the freaking, uh, you know, in Batman, the Bane had like these, uh, the mask with like the, the <laughs> things and like they're going yeah. like checked out, but then they're not wearing any gloves and they keep touching their mask with their hands. I'm like, well, I mean, I think that kind of defeats the purpose of it, right? Yeah. And you see, I don't know if you saw the the, the video of um, this one went to where she started. She had like a, her her regular like N95 mask, but she had a hole in it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, like, well, I mean, like, yeah, that's uh, you know, one yeah. way to do it. 
that's funny that's funny yeah for the straw right <laughs> it's like i absolutely have to have this starbucks drink <laughs> while i'm wearing this mask <laughs> yeah well, no, no, it's definitely gonna be interesting to see like i i see that at the grocery store all the time too um i, I think it still helps prevent other people again the mask is really not for your your safety it's for other people's safety right mm-hmm. it's to prevent you from giving it to them but i do see like people like touching like other people's groceries and then like rubbing their head and then they have the mask on but i'm like oh it's hard it's just hard not to touch your face as well because most people are just so immediately just like you know i'm like trying to like do this like rubbing it against something like it's <laughs> kind of it's hard right but um but definitely it, you know after a long day you get tired something itches you you know, it's, it's such a battle, right? But I think still it's going to help with the mask, but definitely it does, uh, if they want to be extra cautious and clean, definitely not to touch their face and, and, and kind of wash their hands or sanitize in between as well. For sure. Um, I actually had a question for you guys. Uh, now, again, in the news, there's a real possibility of having a second outbreak, right? So um, now we see gradual loosening of restrictions, specifically in Ontario and across other provinces, they're moving a little bit faster. Right, but what do you think clinics have to do to prepare for a potential second wave, and should they even worry about it at this point, or and try to get over the hump of the first wave? Uh, if I were to start, I think that it's really important for you know clinics to you know just because you know we're opening again and people are coming in for physical care, not to lose that virtual aspect, right? Because let's say if they are if there is a second wave, right, then it can it makes it an easy transition to go back to virtual, right? I know some clinics are like, they're trying to go back to, let's say mainly doing like hands-on or in-person care. I think that, you know, having a little bit of both, right? And having people still go through the virtual route um, is going to be really, really important, right? So, you know, for, for us and for my caseload, it's like, well, yeah, I might need to see, let's say I'm, I have a client on a, uh, on a on a treatment plan for twice a week, right? Maybe one of those uh, treatment plans are going to be like, let's say in person, the next, the second one is going to be uh, virtual, right? So they're exposed to what virtual is like, right? And so that let's say there is a second wave. It's like, oh, we've already been doing virtual, right? Now we can't see each other in person. We'll just do, you know, it uh, virtually, you know, um, to maintain your care, right? But if you go from just quote unquote hand, like in-person care to doing virtual, then there might be, a um, little bit of a gap, my people not might not buy in. So I think for us is kind of maintaining both the hands-on. I'm mean, not hands-on, so they're in person and virtual, and um, so to prepare for for a potential second wave if that happens. Knock on wood. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I agree, hundred percent. Like pretty much similar answer there, right? If the for me, like the virtual has been actually really helpful to um, get some of the patients that are again high risk because we're still screening people right it's and if somebody is high risk um, we do recommend the virtual care because again we want to make sure that they're 100% safe and, and obviously it's a little bit of a tougher plan because in person is available but again like I'm coming from a place of hey I want to make sure you're safe and you know not not that you don't have symptoms but you know you have very, a lot of risk factors and is we can do all the cleaning in the world, right? But if they were outside between their car and getting to the clinic, there's still something in between there that could also infect them, right? I, I can't go clean the parking lots and like the, all the doors of the entire building. And like, so it's, it's going to be, it's, it's hard to manage like everything. That's why I always say to the high risk people, Hey, why don't we do um, like virtual right now? 
until things calm down a little bit more or we can be more kind of confident with, with some of the things we're doing. And I tell them things that we're doing as well, but the virtual care has to survive through this whole thing, right? Because until like this whole thing gets like, I don't know, again, there's been toxic. Is it going to get eradicated? Is it going to stay forever? Like what's the, what's the outlook here? But this is going to be a good opportunity, even as people transition back to in-person is to still put value on the virtual so that, um, and still use it. Like it's a tool now that people work so hard to get. I think it'll just be a disservice to the clinic and themselves to just kind of toss it away right after you don't need it anymore. Right. It's kind of like riding a bike for the summer and then you go into the winter and then throwing your bike out. <laughs> but you can have it you can do stuff with it you can do an indoor trainer you can keep it with you like use it for some other reasons and even even if like winter stays forever you could still ride a bike but go on an indoor track or you know there's so many different things you could do with it right so it's not just the the one purpose it's the, the main purpose is obviously ride a bike outside but um so it's it's something that we'll have to keep working on and, and kind of maintain because you know ideally what happens is if there is a second wave the transition this time will be much faster and much more smooth because you know we've kind of set up ours in a way where our emr supports the um the virtual everything supports the virtual in such a seamless way that even if the schedule if like let's say tomorrow the next wave hits all those people in that schedule could keep their same exact times and boom it could become virtual and all it takes is just sending out a link. So it, it's that, that's why like you, that's, we talked about it last time too, like we got to make the clinic um, and like the practice pandemic proof, because if we, again, if we keep letting down the patients and every time something happens like that, then so we just kind of ignore them and, you know, just stop doing things because, um, because we, it might be harder to do virtual, then it's, again, it's doing a big disservice to them because they still need the care. It's not like their pain suddenly went away or the virus came, right? Um, or they're, you know, they're, they're still going to be committed to their goals. They still want to get back to what they were doing before. Maybe their goals change a little bit. Like, I mean, it's not to play at the rec center, like all day long, but maybe it's to take care of their family. Maybe it's to take care of their kids, play with their kids in the yard, right? Now they're going to be at home, homeschooling their kids, playing with their kids more, like, the goals might change, but the functional level of them, like if their knee hurts, they still need to get better um, or they really still can't do that either. Right. And people are, again, we have to just make sure that we have some tools to help support that, um, that journey or else it's going to be, um, it's going to be hard for them to get any better. And then if people start to get worse and we just kind of drop off on them again, yeah. then they're going to think that like, well, you know, is physio even right for me? But somebody else might swoop in. Right. So this is also going to help advocate for the profession if we maintain their care and help them throughout. And I've seen some great results already with virtual and I could see some other clinicians have some really great results. Um, so it can work. It's not that it can't work. It's just a matter of if we're going to keep it and, and um, not let it die. Yeah. Like I love, I love what you said there, Sarush, just in terms of if the second wave happen, it's like, okay, it's not like, you know, we're treating someone and then all of a sudden they drop off and we're like, okay, see, like, see you when second wave is over, right? Like, we want to be able to... March, March next year. <laughs> <laughs> 2022. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. We want to be able to maintain um, that progress, that journey with them, right? Not just from a, you know, a clinical standpoint, right? But, you know, f uh, from a uh, patient lens, right? It's like, well, you have goals that you still want to accomplish, right? Having, you know, this, this pandemic, re uh, regardless, should change that, right? Um, so, so I love what you said there. Now, Veronica, I'm, I'm curious as to have, have the schools, McMaster, have 
they mentioned anything about you know what would happen if it was uh, if there was a second uh, coming of the uh, of COVID or or um, <laughs> like, a, like a second Everything from the price. based on hope it's like well we hope we can get back to classes and we hope you can do placements yeah. um and if not we yeah. hope you somehow graduate um <laughs> but uh which like makes it very kind of stressful they are looking into like doing a tele-rehab type placement um i think a lot of it is like clinic like clinicians are a bit iffy about taking a student when they're like, how on earth would I teach a student if it's tele-rehab with a patient, right? Mm -hmm. So I think their main struggle right now is like looking to clinicians to be like, who who would actually take a student now that things are looking completely different? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Cause they do want us done like, you know, before it, the next class gets too far into things, but um it's kind of challenging. <laughs> and I'm even curious yeah. as to like, you know, how would it look from a, like, um, just a logistics from, from, an, uh, from a placement perspective is like, is the, is your CI or clinical instructor, is they, are they going to be like kind of in the, like a virtual session with you, but like, they're not going to show their face. They're just going to be the background. Like, how would it look? I'm just curious as to what that would be like. And I'm, I think that, you know, like to, to what we talked about last time or, or on our, our last uh, attack that it would be really, you know, uh, beneficial for students just to kind of get that exposure and build more of their mm -hmm. soft skills and their communication skills. But I'm just curious as to, you know, if you guys had any thoughts as to how would it, uh, how would it work like logistically? Well, logistically, it could be fairly simple, similar how you are face to face. You could always interact through zoom. Um, if your sessions are not staggered back to back to back, you can always take the time with a student to review what happened in the session. Right. And, it depends on the comfort level with the patient, right? But essentially, it's like a conversation. Uh, there could be a three-way call, right? If the patient doesn't feel 100% comfortable, potentially the student could um, take off their camera, right? So it's not an extra phase there. Uh, but it will come down to just the conversation with the patient, what their comfort level is. But otherwise, any communication can be done through Zoom or any other platform, right? And the student can be potentially on the platform as well at the same time. Um, just be kind of like a fly on the wall if they don't, if they're not expected to lead a session in the beginning, right? And then you gradually ease them into having one or two patients, and then gradually they take over throughout the whole situation. Mm -hmm. That's the way I picture it. But uh, again, there's all kinds of um, you know uh, guidelines that the schools have to follow to make sure that everything goes smoothly. Right. There can be any cases where uh, patients are complaining uh, about having the student as the third person. But I feel like it's all doable, to be honest. It's just a matter of a discussion with the patients and with the clinician. Right. But uh, we do have to make sure that new physiotherapists are adaptable to any kind of an environment. And as we've already mentioned, telerehab is going to be the future either way. So having exposure in school will go a long ways to improving that communication. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I agree. It's gonna be it's gonna be tough, but I think um, um, we'll have to see what what the next wave is gonna be like because it's, it's a tough call for schools too, especially in our profession. That you know we do, they do we do need to learn the hands on skills. It's not that we just completely disregard them, but but at the same time, is you know we can't be like you know 
we have to we have to choose the path that's available at that time and hopefully some some clinics will be um open to kind of helping the students out as well um because i've thought about it i've thought of like multiple ways actually like do does the student come in and watch the in-person emergency like visits as well because the emergency is not going to go away that's still going to be there through the second wave or not I'm, i'm pretty sure but um does that does that is that help or is that can they even like work with that person that's so acute is the student comfortable is the number of people in the clinic does is it like you know there's so many so many things around it so many unknowns i think that obviously the best way is through the tele-rehab and really to kind of ignore it would be a, a disservice i think it's better than you know i would say nothing it's better than just sitting and waiting because you can practice a lot of those skills um, that you learn in school um in the tele-rehab sessions as well. And you can, your exercise prescription, your education, your coaching skills, like cheerleading skills, all these like things we talked about, like these become really important when you're back in person. So um, I think it's actually a great time to start developing those um, early on because once you get the hands on stuff, then you're going to be like an unbelievable uh, physiotherapist. Mm-hmm. For sure. It seems like the bigger challenge would be through the licensing exams because that's where the doozy is. <laughs> uh, setting up uh, placements, uh, it's possible. It's just people have to be willing to think outside of the box a little bit, right? Because we have experience with setting up a novel kind of uh, placement that was never done before, but mm-hmm. it was just as easy as approaching the person who is responsible for those placements and having a conversation and presenting the benefits on the school side. Presenting mm-hmm. benefits on our side, and then it just worked really well. Mm-hmm. Um, the licensing side is going to be tough, right? Because they want to limit the cheating and like, <laughs> and want to make sure that it's not easier if you're doing the exam from home uh, than in years past, right? Because there's always questions of fairness. Was it tougher for the previous cohort to do it in person? Is it easier for the next cohort to do it uh, through their own computer, right? And how can we ensure that nobody's uh, getting an advantage that's usually what they're looking for and i feel like that's where the challenge will be the most and all all these uh talks about pc is giving me really bad flashbacks you know back to when we did it back in november you know i'm like (laughs) that was that was a a rough period for i think all of us myself all the all the good memories yeah all that good (laughs) like thank goodness spending seven hours waiting <laughs> that was that was a fun time. Yeah. All right. Well, um, we're gonna. Uh, I'm curious to see what's gonna happen again. Um, hopefully, things calm down a little bit, and um, you know, everything goes back to kind of somewhat of a normal. It's, it's a new normal now. We have to live with that for a little bit, but um, hopefully, we'll see what what the next steps are. What any? What's the one thing you guys are looking forward to kind of doing in the next uh, two weeks for you guys? Because you might. That's gonna. That's when that opening timeline is. Uh, for me, I guess I'll start. I'm um, looking forward to summer. You know, the the weather in Toronto. I don't know how it, it is like out there in uh, Alberta. Thousand degrees <laughs> out there, out, out west. You know, in the Nunavut. But uh, <laughs> you know, it's Nunavut beautiful... North, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know, man. I didn't. It's, it's right above you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to summer and like you know, hopefully yeah. you know things are start to settle down and you know businesses awesome. kind of start to open. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Awesome. How about you, Veronica? Before you hop off, um, I'm really looking forward to hopefully a bit more information on what we're gonna do. If we're gonna be able 
able to do our labs and actually learn some hands-on skill that would be really ideal so like just kind of looking forward to a bit more information and seeing how things go awesome well yeah keep us posted and see i'm curious to see what the schools are going to do hopefully hopefully a good method is kind of chosen and, and kind of go forward from there cool yeah awesome how about um, you Lava? I'm just pumped to see some old faces uh, back into the clinic because uh, we've been keeping in touch and like we hype each other up a little bit uh, <laughs> in terms of getting back out of there because people honestly have been struggling uh, mentally a little bit in that isolation. So you want to bring them a little bit of joy, get back in there, you know, no more hugs or high fives or, <laughs> or handshakes, but um, we're talking essentially about just seeing person face to face, communicating how we used yep. to, right? And uh, just navigating the new wave together because I feel like the impact of the virus will go well beyond uh, just this year, right? As we all talked about. Mm-hmm. But just taking those positive steps at a time now that the weather's getting better, people are more open, right? They are a little bit. <laughs> um, better at getting back out there so that's what i'm looking forward to yeah they get to see those uh, beautiful eyebrows in person you know in the <laughs> i could snap a shot in the light you know in the, in the real time the real light <laughs> <laughs> real winking that's what, hilarious but yeah what about you Sarish? um honestly like i think you know for me it's just to add in like all the new things that for me like this pandemic really taught me like a very valuable lesson on control as much as people, despite people thinking they didn't have control over the virus, which we obviously don't have control over the virus, but we do have control over the spread and all that stuff. But you do have a lot of control over how, what the response is. And so I've just been super excited to see like us kind of get through this pandemic and become stronger on the other side. And, you know, the first year of like working on a business here for myself as well, going through this storm, definitely you know, I wasn't like, oh yeah, in 2020, I'm going to be dealing with a virus, a pandemic. <laughs> that wasn't in my agenda, but um, I think it just taught me that like, you know, instead of feeling like down and, and afraid of it, we just kind of took it by the horn and, and just, just went forward. And, and um, we, you know, really did like everyone, I think a buzzword now is pivot, but <laughs> we did <laughs> eventually pivot, <laughs> but um, <laughs> Yeah, it's a new buzzword, 2020 pivot. (laughs) Um, But, you know, despite all my ankles breaking from pivoting too many times in the last month, but it's still like, I think a really, really awesome experience. And I think like, you know, I'm not actually, it's it's a terrible situation. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just trying to see like the positives in it. And I actually really liked what, what we all as an industry, as people, we're able to get out of it. Mm-hmm. And I think if we continue with that mentality, if we get through this, honestly, like I'm just excited to be able to apply all these new skills into quote unquote, a new normal, or if we go back to the old normal, r- regardless, what we learned was, was massive in the last, like two, it's, it's only been eight weeks, but it feels like, like we learned for an eternity. Like it's just, it's just crazy. So I'm, I'm excited to be able to just keep adding some new stuff, you know, um, to our clinic here and, and keep growing it there and, um, and to, uh, and, and to kind of 
maintain some of those new additions because we did start up a lot of the things that we wanted to start up that we kind of didn't set aside time for. But because of this, we were able to do all those things and, and we used that opportunity to make those changes. And now I think the, the clinic and, and our practice is going to be stronger than ever um, going forward. So um, I'm, I'm super pumped about that um, in the next couple of weeks and, and sharing that knowledge with um, any, any, all of our current uh, staff and any new staff that's going to be uh, joining your team. Totally. Yeah, for sure. um, cool. I feel like mentally we all uh, deserve like a nice high five <laughs> because <laughs> we have been able to pivot, right? Especially the group at uh, PTPC, the clinic accelerator group, right? Our clinics. And um, it's just um, interesting how a lot of people could potentially buckle under this kind of pressure, but we did rise up, yeah. uh, got it done. So hopefully... Yeah. We'll see what the what the next couple of weeks bring and see see how it happens. But uh, we'll be ready to pivot either way. That's the lesson. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Stronger than ever. This is going to be a great um, great learning experience. And ten, ten, two generations later, we could tell them we survived a pandemic that <laughs> hopefully never happens again. But you never know, right? Mm-hmm. Um, cool. All right. Well, on that note, let's go get them in the next couple of weeks and. Um, keep kind of uh keep uh striving forward here and um looking forward to our next hopefully our next one next doesn't have to be as much about what's going on with covid hopefully we can talk about some other like uh awesome things i know everyone's been talking about covid nonstop, but um i'm hoping that we we can start to actually you know it becomes a thing where we're like oh yeah that covid thing what, what was that again you know we slowly forget about it not not in a bad way but take the lessons, but just forget about the negative situation and um, keep moving forward. Cool. All right. All right. Well, we'll chat with you guys on next, uh, next episode of PTBC unfiltered. (laughs) Peace guys. Thank you everyone for tuning into the PTBC podcast. Hope you enjoyed the episode today. Please check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at our website, ptbusinesscorner.com. Feel free to send us a message on social media or email us at info at ptbusinesscorner.com. See you next time.